Harvest Satisfied. My name is Nick Jackson, the pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. And this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship Church in Hillsboro, Oregon. But Nick didn't say what you're listening to. Oh, I, I didn't say what. And he didn't turn off his phone. Uh, my, my mom oh, is, strike two. My mom is calling. Should, should I take that? <laughs> I'm sure I can talk to her later. Um, You know, I I totally did mess up on the you are listening to Satisfied. You know, Uh, if if you didn't, if you didn't mess up, there'd be something wrong. You know, somehow the beginning (laughs) part of the podcast is like the hardest thing for me. Man, we are in the fall. Like, isn't this crazy? It is fall 2019. This year is almost over. No, I've actually been corrected three times. Uh, it's not fall yet. Fall happens this uh, September twenty third. Okay, up here twenty third. But but we're up here in the northwest, and yes. we, we don't have sun anymore. We have clouds no, and we rain. We have clouds and rain. That's exactly right. I've been saying the same thing. I've been saying it's fall, and people in my church are reminding me, "No, it's not. It's still summer." They're hanging on, hanging on by a thread, hanging on to the very last possible ray of sunshine that is still. Summer. Okay, good. Um, Well, today, you want to tell everyone what we're going to talk about? Sure. We're going to talk about, really, it's community. Uh, In the context of community, by the way, all your typing is really loud. Uh, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Talking about community. Um, Are are you picking on me? Well, a little bit. That's worthy. Because I'm hearing this. Something is scratchy on your side. Oh, okay. Scratchy on my side. Stuff on your side. I think it's your. I think it's your cord. Is it? I think so. Like every time. Yep. Yep. Like all of that movement. You know, that's just with you though. That's not with the recording. So that's a good thing. Okay, here we go. We're talking about community, specifically uh, community, the, the community of the church and uh, the different ways that we are called to live life together uh, and, and what that means in a biblical community. So Nick uh, put together some scripture. He's going to take you through some things uh, specifically in regards to community and just to show the importance of what it is and, and how and why we're called to it. Well, um I mean, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely use the scripture, I think, throughout it. Uh, you know, one thing you and I do at our churches is we do a thing called small groups, but we don't call them small groups. We call them table groups. Um, and we call them table groups because, well, really, I stole that from, I think it was like Joe Thorne, uh, those doctrine and devotion guys, those guys who try to do a podcast like us, but they don't. They started long before we did. Yeah, but they're copying us. Um, (laughs) So in his book, I think think it was him that did table groups. And when I read that, it so resonated because, man, every, like, real conversation we have is usually around a table. Like, I meet people at coffee shops all the time. There's a table. Um, People come in and to my office, there's usually a table. Uh, At our family room, we have a table where we have deep conversations or a coffee table where we gather on the couch and the chairs around and we have deep conversations. And so majority of our conversations that we have of real importance usually have a table. So it's just kind of fun to call it table groups. 
But we do that not because we're, we're trying to figure out programs, not because we're necessarily trying to be creative, uh, but we do that because we see that in Scripture, uh, God calls a people. He doesn't just call one person, but he calls a people uh, for his bride to be his body. In fact, those are corporate images that the Bible gives us. Uh, the church is called the bride of Christ. We are called the, br- the body of Christ. We are called a temple. We are called a building. Um, and so all throughout Scripture, we see that God is, is really forming a bride for when his son returns. And, and therefore, community is, is what we are called into when we are saved. In fact, if we remember all the way back in the very beginning of the garden, um, when God made um, man and woman, he made us to be in community. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, uh, that's when God, you know, he looks at everything and he said, everything is good. But then he says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so we are, uh, we've been created to be in community. And so we look at you know, as we, uh, as we pastor, as we shepherd within the church, that we need to be intentional on how we, uh, help create space for that community on how we emphasize that. And so that's what we do when we call things table groups. Um, yeah. Are your table groups going yet? We actually, yeah, we go ahead. Yeah. We started, uh, last week and, uh, we, we meet every other week just because we know that there's there's scheduling conflicts and other things. I think ideally we would meet weekly. That would be the ideal. Um, but yeah, we started last week together. We're going through the book Gospel Fluency uh, by Van Jeff Vanderstel, mm-hmm. which is neat. Uh, uh, so we just started. We just got through chapter one. We have four different table groups going on right now at Hope, which is a big deal. Uh, last year we had one. So we're starting to um, divide out. More people are involved in table groups and Hopefully, that will also encourage uh, more conversation and, and more members from the community as well as, as we look to you know, expand our influence and, and love and draw people into the body of Christ. So. And, you know, some people may say, well, if table groups are what we've been saved for, like, why do we even need to do them, right? Um, but... What we realize, and you were even just saying a few moments ago, is that in our Western culture, we are highly individualized. I mean, we are born into a culture that prioritizes the individual. And so especially, I think, as we as we are, we're saved by grace and we're brought into the family, we're brought into the church. Um, we need to work at living in community because um, it's not as natural for us as in other cultures. And we need to make sure that we are carving that space out. And really it's in, it's in community that I think we find that we, we grow together and we live out the very commands that we have in scripture. Like in Galatians six, verse two, it says, you know, we're called to bear one another's burdens. Well, how are we to bear other people's burdens if we're not with each other? And then that can seem daunting if you go to, you know, a church of a thousand or 500 or even, you know, churches our size, which are, you know, a little smaller than 500, (laughs) quite a bit smaller. Uh, You know, if you say, well, well, bear one another's burdens. Well, well, whose burden am I bearing? 
everyone's burden? And in a sense, we say, well, yes, but when we come together in small groups or table groups, they're a way for us to intentionally commit to walking alongside a group of people for the purpose of caring for one another and strengthening one another. So, uh, so I think it's important that we do prioritize table groups and we don't just think, well, we just let it be organic and we just let it happen. Um, I've always said that we ought to be very intentional and the best organic things come out of great intentionality. Um, but I don't think we should expect great intentionality out of, out of organic practices, if that kind of makes sense. Um, well, hey, how about, how about a question to start? Um, so on that, uh, why do we, why do you at your church, Bobby Hope Fellowship, um, why do we do table groups? What are some of, what are some of your goals? What are some of your objectives? Well, I think, I think one of the primary objectives is relationship within the body. I mean, you, you will not grow in life or in holiness or in knowledge of God. Uh, you won't grow in character. You won't grow in anything without other people. Um, uh, and, that, and that's part of it. I just sent you uh, a link. I sent you a, a title to a, a book. This is the one I'm reading. It's called When the Church Was a Family. Um, and, and he begins by contrasting our Western society, which is very individualistic, to really the rest of the world, which is very collective in their thinking. Uh, it's a very, very much a group mindset, uh, which is not romantic at all. You know, that, that doesn't hit the, the heartstrings of, of the American uh, individual who wants to be a hero or wants to do things by themselves. Uh, but but here's, the, here's the thing. It's, it's in communities and things like table group that we get to know each other, uh, that we get to hear and listen to each other process and think through and apply the gospel to our lives. Uh, it's in table group that we actually build relationship with each other, that we learn to love one another. Um, it's in table group that we actually rub up against each other and, and, and that our rough edges are, are, um, exposed in some ways, you know, uh, it's, it's in the context of that relationship that God begins to do a sanctifying work in us. And he does it in the context of relationship. If all we do is gather to worship together on Sunday, uh, it becomes very consumeristic. Uh, it's very much, I come I sit down in the pew or the chair. Uh, I, we, don't, we don't do pews. We don't do pews either, mm. but we have chairs. Um, I, I worship or I sing or I read scripture. I might shake a few hands at the greeting, maybe say hi, maybe ask people how they're doing. But then I go home. Uh, uh, hopefully also in, in the context of that, you also heard a good sermon. So maybe I'm fed spiritually. <laughs> uh but, but really, the application, the application of, of living life together, the application of, of being in the Word together, uh, is, is what you do in context of that community. Um, and so, so table groups is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to live out your, your faith in the context of the church body and to do that together. Um, yeah, I- I think you said that really well, and it's it's the place where we live out our faith because you're right. When we come on a Sunday morning, while we do, we have lots of volunteers. We have volunteers in children's ministry, volunteers greeting and ushering. Uh, there's a lot of things that do take place, but there's a lot of people who come, who sit, who have a few conversations, and then go. And in reality, 
it's a hard on a Sunday morning to have deep conversations in the midst of maybe 20, 30, 40 other people kind of around you. Uh, so when we come together for table groups, that's a place for us to, uh, with a smaller group, share hurts, pains, uh, new challenges that we're going through. Uh, it, it's a way for us to really love one earth, to care for one another, um, to build one another up, uh, to hear where we struggle either with scripture or just in areas of our life. Like how does the gospel affect the way that I parent um, or affect my marriage or affect the way that I'm going to work? And so um, it also places a group of people around us that can pray for us in those areas. So not just give wisdom, but just, just come together and pray. Um, So, yeah, I think, if we expect everything on a Sunday morning, we're trying to create Sunday morning to be something it's not able to really do. Um, we need to carve out these other times. And what I have found is you said that uh, in table groups, it's where we grow in our love for one another. I, I can't agree more. When we're sitting with people week in after week, hearing their stories, talking with them, eating with them, praying with them, doing projects and whatever else it is with them, it does our hearts grow fond for them. We we grow in our love for them. We grow in our desire to be with them. We better understand them. We become more patient with them. Uh, it's an incredible way for us to really begin working on on how we love one another and growing in our love for each other. Uh, well, we should become more patient with them. That doesn't mean it always feels that way. <laughs> that necessarily, that is true. right? But but even even where it doesn't, like I've been to the I've been to table groups. You have too. I'm sure you like you walk away and you're a little kind of like man. If that person would have just shut up like for like ten minutes, but they talked the entire time or. You know, like there's that one person that always kind of derails things. Now, there probably needs to be a conversation there, but but what happens? It's when we're with other people that we then find often our own sins. Yeah. Right? Like it's, it's in marriage yeah. that I find that, man, I have anger, that I'm impatient. Like if I'm not married and I don't have kids, then I don't have people who are regularly around me that are, are kind of pressing back and revealing to me my own character. But it's in community that that's where I get to see where, where God is working and where I'm praying that he continues to work. Well, and, and the other piece is if, if all... If, if you, the entirety of your spiritual connection to your church happens just on Sunday mornings, um, it begins to be something that you just fit in. And and really, Sunday mornings or church, your spirituality, your walk with Christ, is just something you fit in to your life it's instead of the center of your life. Uh, and, and I would say, and, and this again goes back to the culture that, that, that we are in, uh, which again, um, the book that I that I mentioned, uh, I think I mentioned. Did I mention it when the church was a family? I think I already said that. Yes. Right? Thank you. Well, I think you said it. Okay, so we'll have it linked. We have a just. We'll make sure that book is linked. Yeah. I kind of put a whole list of just kind of good resources. Uh, so there'll be quite a few books and resources on our podcast well, website. What you see and, and and what you're alluding to is as we were as we were born into if we were, as we were given spiritual birth. We were born into Christ. And we have union with Christ. We also have union with each other. We're, we've also been united in Christ to Him, but also to each other, and and that becomes the central focus and the central theme of our life 
as Christians, that right there, our union with Him and our union with each other, ought to be the very primary identifying feature of our life. Um, and that's what this book began to, you know, as I'm, as I'm reading it, began to wrestle through. What's the first thing you say when, someone at, when, when someone's trying to get to know you? What questions do they ask? And how do you... What do you, what do, you, what do, do? you do? What do you do? What do you do? Where are you from? Are you married? You know? Who yeah. do you do it with? Who do you... Who do you um, that sounded weird. Uh, who who do you... Well, <laughs> who do you wife. live life <laughs> <laughs> what, what are we talking yeah, about? We're talking about who, who do you live life with? Who's... Yeah. Oh. Uh, and, and so part of it, what he was saying is, you know, in a collectivist culture... A lot of that had to do with their family, not just their immediate, but their broader family. And what's happening in the church, as you see in, in, in Acts 2, I'll just I'll go there now, uh, we see the model of the early church, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were to, had all things together in common, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as the any had need. And day by day, this daily, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They actually had believers in their own homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So what you see is a community who's living life together, who's worshiping together, who's eating together. Uh, another book uh, my, my wife really enjoyed, it's called Bread and Wine. And uh, it's actually a, a lady who talks about community um, and recipes together. And, and I don't recall even, I don't, I don't recall what it's about, I just know that she really enjoyed it uh, and resonated with the fact that... that so are we promoting this I, book? I don't know yet. Maybe we need to... I, I should probably check. But, but the, the premise... What did your wife read? Is this Martha Stewart? It might be. It, it might be. Uh, uh, but it promoted the fact that eating together, having fellowship, breaking bread together uh, is a significant means of developing relationships. So we eat at my table group. Uh, not, it's not just because we're Baptists and we like potlucks and barbecues, uh, but we do. But... but we do. But but we eat together intentionally because it's as we're sharing a meal together that there. That seems to be one of the sweetest parts of our fellowship. I tell you, when you eat with people, like it really does. It lowers people's guards. Yeah. We're more open with one another. And if and if we were to think about it, let's say we all. We all get dropped into another country right now, maybe maybe some third world country, and we're going to be missionaries there. What are we going to do? How are we going to share the gospel? We're not just going to expect people to show up on a Sunday morning, right? We're going to invite people into our houses where we're going to get to know them. We're going to love on them. We're going to care for them. And one of the main ways we'll probably do that is through meals. Um, we see that all throughout uh, the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, where people come together for meals, for the worship of God, for the, for the fellowship of believers. And so eating with one another really is an amazing uh, just time of fellowship that we get to have. And as you were saying, um, I mean, it's our love for one another. Yeah. That that testifies that we are, we are Christians. That we really are. I mean, that's what Jesus says yeah. in John thirteen thirty four. A new commandment I give yeah. to you: that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, 
if you have love for one another. And so for, for anyone that then wants to push back and be like, ah, you know, I don't have time for community or, or that. Well, well, hold on. It's, it's by our love for one another, for the church, that we testify to the world that we yeah. are disciples, yeah. which is why we have other commands like in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. So there we have a church. Some are, some are not gathering anymore. So it's saying, hey, we need to go after them. It says, uh, encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we look and we know, man, the day is coming where Christ is going to return. We need to pursue one another. We need to encourage each other to come together because community is, is not an optional part of the right. Christian life, but it's who we're called to be. It's part of our identity yeah. as a disciple. Well, and so many of Paul's commands are to the plurality of, of people in the church in the context of that community. So even Colossians 3, right? Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. This is, I think the church needs to learn to bear with one another. Um, not to be a bear, not to be a bear, but to bear with <laughs> one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, uh, another, forgive them as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And then he goes right where we were. Uh, and, and above all, put, uh, above all these things, put on love, which binds everything in your heart, where everything together in perfect harmony. Um, so it's the, the context of, of so much of what Paul writes and so much of what, it, of what is written to the church is that the church is doing life together. The church is living well, together. To, uh, to jump on what you're saying, like, like that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, yeah. peace, patience, kindness, yeah. goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Like, those don't get lived out by me. Like, how do, by myself, I'm a very joyful person. I'm a very patient person. I'm a very kind person. I'm not. You know, I'm very, <laughs> very self-control. Well, those aren't actually evidenced really... By yourself, like all of those things are really seen in community with others. And, and like the scripture you're reading, when we read Paul's letters, like the only way to really practice this stuff is with other Christians. Yeah. Well, and, and, and here's, uh, I want to go back to, if I, if I were to hammer one thing home, uh, what I would say is this, you have time for whatever you make, whatever your priorities are. It's not that you don't I agree with that. It's not that you don't have time. Friends, if you're at a church and you're not involved in the community, you're not serving the church, it's not because you don't have time. It's because it's not your priority. So so here's the question. Who is the center of your solar system? Is God the center of your solar system? Does your life revolve around him? Is is he your infinite son? Or are you the son? And is God one of the planets that revolves around your life? Which is it? Yeah. And and if if the church is if, if you're called to be a part of the church, if if, if that's part of God's solar system, uh, and how He's glorified, and and when you become part of His family, what you're called to, then are are you making time? Are are you uh, making that a priority? That you're involved in. And I know, I mean, granted, I'm a pastor. So we're pastors. So we think this is important. We know this is important. Um, yeah, but but to press on that, I mean, let's not give ourselves like an excuse. No, uh-uh. I mean, we're, we're just bringing this forth from God's word, though. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like God says this is important. So we're not, we're not trying to place an importance on anything that, that God is not already placing an importance yeah. on. Yeah. Yep. But I think to jump on with what you're saying, I think there's some people uh, that don't think that they have more time. Um, but then when they, you know, but they do have time for all their kids' sports games. Yep. They have times for all their events. They have times to be on their phone for hours probably they a day. They have time for Facebook. Um, you know, so <laughs> I, I think oftentimes we need to wrestle with uh, what is controlling my my schedule, mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying. What is at the center? Like, am I just being like every other parent? Yeah. Am I am I just like every other dad, every other mom? Is my schedule no different? I mean, we're called to be what well, Matthew chapter five, verse 13, 14 and 15. We're called to be salt in the world. We're called to be light in the world. We're called to be different. Like there's going to be a lot of similarity but we are not to have the same schedule as everyone else. And I think that that's hard yeah. for, for I think all of us to some degree to, to realize because um, we think that we need to look like everyone else, but, but we're to be light. We're to be different. People are to say, wait a minute, why are you not involved in this or that? Like um, my kids, as you know, they, they greatly enjoy sports and, uh, my, my two oldest have asked, have been asked to be on competitive soccer teams and competitive basketball teams. I would love for them to be on those other than the cost, you know, like I would love for them to be on those teams. Uh, cause they are, they're extremely athletic, but when do majority of all competitive basketball and soccer teams, soccer games, basketball and soccer games take place Sundays, maybe Saturdays, but definitely really? Sundays. And so we have regular conversations with our kids. This is why we're not going to do that. Now, some people would say, but hey, don't you want your kids to to excel? Don't you want them to be the best basketball player they can? No. That is not my goal. (laughs) My goal is that they grow in their knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they know what it is to be salt and light in this world. They know what it is for their identity in Christ to control. And if God wants them to be professional basketball players— like, he's going to make sure that happens, and we still do lots of practices. Our kids were at, what, the Portland Trailblazer basketball camp this last year? You know, like, they still play, uh, but we have to, on a regular uh, a regular time, just yeah. re- evaluate where we're at as parents, what my wife and I are prioritizing, what we're prioritizing as a family. And, you know, it's hard. And there are families that, that have pressed in, like, hey, you really need to do this. And it's kind of like, no, we we really don't need to do that. It would be great. It would be fun. But fun can't just control all that we yeah. do. Yeah. So I, I would say that I totally agree with you. We need to really evaluate what is centering, um, what yeah. is guiding, what, what is guiding our decisions, um, especially for what we're belonged into. But I also wanted to bring up, so I was listening to this podcast this last, I think it was this last week. Um, Nancy Guthrie, she does a How to Teach the Bible. Um, it's a podcast on the Gospel Coalition. So if you go to thegospelcoalition.org, you can find it. If you just type in How to Teach the Bible by Nancy Guthrie, you can find it. It's an amazing podcast. If you are in ministry, you need to be on this podcast. Um, If you're a Christian, you need to be on this podcast. But she did a interview with Rebecca McLaughlin, who just wrote a book titled Confronting Christianity, 12 Hard Questions for the World's Largest Religion. It's an amazing book. Like I'm loving every chapter in it. But in it, 
uh, one of the chapters, she really talks about sexuality, uh, homosexuality and singleness and, and just all, uh, all of that. And she, uh, she really presses in on, Hey, we as a church, we need to really wrestle with what does it mean to be family? What does it really mean to love one another? She brings up, uh, like first Thessalonians two, where, where Paul has, is writing to the Thessalonians. And he says this in verse seven, we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you, not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. And she makes the point. She's like, look, other than sex, there's probably not a more intimate thing two people can do with one another than breastfeeding. And, you know, like, we're men, never done that. But as, you know, as objectively as I can think about that, I was like, man, that, that actually makes sense. Like, that is an incredibly intimate thing. Uh, and think about it. That's how Paul says he was with this church, he compares his love, his actions as a mom taking care and breastfeeding her child, uh, being affectionately desirous. So Rebecca McLaughlin, she goes on to say, we need to reclaim a fierce, abiding, non-erotic, non-romantic love within the church. And as I'm listening to that and just thinking through, all right. You know, how does our church communicate its love for one another? How do we counter, you know, what the culture is saying on, on our sex is what determines our identity? Uh, what, what the world needs, what we as a church need, we need to see the type of love that we're to have one another that we find in God's word. We need that non-sexual, deeply intimate, incredibly loving, self-denying, other-focused relationship kind of love that's all throughout scripture because that's the love that we have in us because of Jesus Christ. And so that really... Man, that kind of convicted me, but really challenged me on thinking, okay, how am I shepherding even our church into understanding that kind of love? That two guys would look and say, look, we can have an incredibly deeply intimate, non-sexual relationship with each other. where We truly do care for one another. We love for one another. We're hearing each other. Um, I think that's probably foreign to a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. I think that's foreign in church in a lot of ways, and yet... Man, when we come into scripture, I think that's the type of love that we see. That's how we see Christ loves his church. That's how we see that we're called to love one another. Um, so often I think we, we say things like, look, my family, like nuclear, like mother, father, you know, son, daughter, son, those are our number one family. But when we come into the Bible, it looks more like the body of Christ is now our primary family, that we're held together by the blood of Christ. And that is where our primary priority is put place. Now, not to say that our nuclear family is not important, but we're not to see those at odds with one another. I don't know. I've been wrestling with that. What do you think? Well, where are you at? Well, first of all, every time you say Sarah McLaughlin, I think, of, or not Sarah. Not, not, I, I know. I That's think of Sarah. Exactly so, what I think. So I keep, I'm, the, the arms of the angels are going through my head right now. And uh, what was the movie? What was, what was the movie with uh, uh, Nicolas Cage? 
Yep. Uh, the Angel movie. The, yeah, whatever uh, it was back in yeah. So oh, if you're a with uh, if you're a early or late Gen X, early male, you'll know what we're talking about. Uh, with the girl from Meg Meg Ryan. Yes, was, that's right. Yeah, Meg Ryan. Yeah. She was in You Got Mail. Yes, she was in You Got Mail. Are we gonna are we gonna but, link to that in our podcast too? Uh, we probably should. <laughs> oh, what's the name of that movie? Oh, we probably shouldn't, man. We probably shouldn't. We'll just yeah, we'll just that's probably useless. It. Links. So I, I'm thinking, just as we're talking, I'm thinking through Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. Uh, that was one of the resources I, I pulled out. You pulled that out too, I, I see. And and he has a, a section kind of near the end. It's talking about breaking through to community, uh, and really he talks about confession. Confession being the key to, to really having true, intimate community with people. Um, I'll just read a couple of things that he, he wrote here. In confession, the breakthrough to community takes place. Sin demands to have a man by himself. It withdraws him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive the power of, of sin will, over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, and the more disastrous his isolation Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. The darkness of unexpressed, the, in the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. This can happen even in the midst of a pious community. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into darkness and seclusion of the heart. The sin must be brought to light. The unexpressed must be openly spoken and acknowledged. All that is secret and hidden is made manifest. It is a hard struggle until the sin is openly admitted. But God breaks gates of brass and bars of iron. Um, and so he, he continues to talk about confession. I'm just thinking, okay, so the intimacy of Christian community, what is that? It's, it's, it's not unlike being married where we are we're fully known or we are supposed to be fully known. Um, I think a godly marriage is one where it's not just they're naked and unashamed. It's, it's that they, there's this sense in which uh, man and wife are pursuing intimate relationship together. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about knowing each other. I'm not talking about revealing things you're struggling with, things you're thinking through, hard things. Um, and I think some of that happens in, it's supposed to happen in the church community as well. Uh, this isn't erotic <laughs> intimacy. You know, this is, this is, man, I'm, we are sinners who have come together, who have been redeemed, who have been claimed by Christ, and together we fight sin. Together we proclaim the gospel. Together we build each other up. Together we love each other. We forgive each other. Um, as I look at what is what is being known, what is what does intimate community look like, and how is it different from the world? A part of what we do as Christians in our community is confess sin, and and that's part of what distinguishes us from the Rotary Club or a book club. Um, there's something qualitatively different. And our interactions together that draw us closer together, that bind us together. Um, yeah. You know, I think to jump on what you're saying there, 
where we confess sin, there will be great intimacy. Yeah. But in the absence of confession, yeah. there won't be yeah. those deeper relationships. Yeah. And I think that's something for us all to be reminded about. The The nature of sin is about isolating us from, from God and from the body of Christ. Yeah, from each sin other. will never... Yeah, sin will never move you yeah. into a greater community with the body of Christ um, and God himself. It will always seek to remove you, and therefore it will always seek to come up with reasons why not to practice repentance and confession. Um, but I think that's a good word. We need to regularly practice confession. That needs to be a regular place. And, and if we say that, which I think we see in Scripture, on a Sunday morning, we might have examples of that. We might have testimonies. But that's not a place that 150 people can do, 500 people can do, 1,000 people can do. Like that's going to take place in a table group and a place where you're intentionally meeting a few other people. Yeah. Um, you know, at our uh, – maybe you can jump in on this. And tell me if you got different goals. Uh, but we really have like three objectives within our table groups. Number one is fellowship with one another. So what, what I mean by that is to grow in our love with each other. And it's also a place for new people to get connected into where they begin to grow and, and know who this body of Christ is, but also grow in relationships. So it's a way to get new people connected. And as we get connected for us to continue to fellowship with one another, which leads into caring for one another, whether that's, uh, physically caring for one another, um, whether that's spiritually caring for one another, but just coming alongside, meeting the needs of each other. Um, and then also our third one, our third goal is is that it would be a means of engaging unbelievers. So when we come together in our table groups, it's to talk about uh, who our neighbors are, who our coworkers are, who is God placed around us. And then we pray for those people and for us that we would be bold in sharing the gospel. But it's also a place where we can bring unbelievers into, where we have a meal, and they're all of a all of a sudden they're going to be surrounded with three or four or five other couples of church. And this isn't like us ganging up on them. <laughs> that could sound weird. We bring them in, but we do that because because it's by our love for one another they know that we're disciples. It's by our love they get to see Jesus's love. In fact. Uh, John 17, um, I, I wrote that down. John 17, verse 20. It says this. This is Jesus saying, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So, so he's not only asking for the disciples who are with him. He's asking for all future disciples that they may all be one, meaning have unity just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So he wants us as a church to have unity as the Trinity has unity. And then here's the purpose, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So our unity, the unity that we have with one another is a powerful testimony to the world that the Father has sent the Son, Jesus. And so... I would ask anyone, where do you live out the truth of John 17 if you're not with a group of believers and bringing unbelievers into that? That's So that's why we make that third objective, um, engaging unbelievers, as a means of, uh, 
Um, engaging unbelievers is one of those objectives we have. So we either pray or we're bringing them into the group or we're creating ways for our lives to intersect with greater intentionality for the purpose of not only getting to know them, to loving them, but sharing the gospel with them. So that, that's kind of us. That's what we do. Is yours somewhat similar or yeah, what does yours I, look I, like? I think that's, that's the, the end goal. We're, we're kind of doing that already. Uh, but we've used table groups for the last two years. We're only a two-year-old church. Um, but so for me, uh, as we started, it really was to, to reset the culture of the church. So table groups was both to reinforce what was preached on Sunday, but also to dig deeper into specific issues of the gospel so that it would affect our lives and affect who we are. And, yeah. and then we would be, uh, and we're, that's what we're working on now with gospel fluency, that we would be a, um, a gospel witness to the community. Uh, so, so our first three books at Table Groups were about the gospel, uh, about uh, understanding it and applying it to ourselves, and now be, be becoming fluent in it uh, so that it comes out as we speak to our neighbors and coworkers and families and so forth. So, but we also have the same thing. In fact, our, our violin teacher... Uh, is not a believer, but she teaches lessons at the church on Tuesday. She comes down, she eats food with us, and every now and then she stays for the conversation, and she did this last week. And so, That's awesome. So she's hearing, and, and I think she grew up with kind of an understanding of the church. She went to a Methodist church growing up. I don't think she understood the gospel, you know. Um, maybe at the larger level of, okay, you know, humanity is, is, is sinners and need, need, um, need atonement. Uh, but this gives her an opportunity to really to listen to how we process and think through the gospel and what that means, both for us and for how we love each other. Um, that's cool. That's good. Um, so, so that's where we're at. Uh, man, there's, there's probably so much more we could talk about. I know you had more on your notes. Um, well, you know, I, I think the big thing is, is as we're coming, we're coming into fall, right? You know, cause we're not there yet. No, we're not there yet, but I feel like we're there. <laughs> we're, we're coming into fall. And everything picks up. I mean, sports, you know, we're kind of all done from the summer vacations and all the craziness of summer. And now, and one of the things we just say all the time is we're busy, right? We're busy. We're busy. My family is busy. I got three kids. I got a wife. I got a dog. I'm, I, got, I got sports things every single night of the week. I got Bible studies, just other stuff. Um, but I think what we just wanted to do was take some time, highlight the importance of being in community with other believers and impress on also that, look, we know life is busy, but as a believer, we're called to be in the community of believers. Our, our kids need to see the priority of the church. So if, if you're prioritizing, if you're prioritizing things other than the church so that you don't have time to be with the church, just know that's what your kids are seeing. That's what you're discipling them yep, into. Right. And you're discipling them to realize that. Being a Christian is attending church on Sunday, and that's what we do. But that's not church, yeah. and that is not what we see in the Bible. We see that Christianity is about being saved by the grace, that we'd be with the body, that we'd yeah. spend time with one another, careful one And look, you can call table groups whatever you want. You can meet you know, once a week, every other week. There's a lot of ways this can look. So it's not about the form, but it's about the practice of how are we living out because this is how we've been called to live. And so we just want to, 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 to push on that, to rejoice in the community that we have because it is good. Yeah. That's where I find that I grow in my love for other guys 
as I meet with them. Yep. And I want to trade it for anything. Absolutely. It does make our and it makes our schedule busy. Yep. It does. Yep. And my kids know that. I know that. Uh, but I, I, I love it. So it's good. Yeah. Um, so and I'll, how, I'll just say this too. Uh, what's in, what's important to you is your priorities are reflected in your schedule. So, so if you want to know what's really important to you, look at your schedule. What are you giving the most time to? And, and be honest about it because there's a lot of things we give more time to than we do. And, and there's a lot of things not in your schedule, like Facebooking and mm-hmm. uh, wasting time on YouTube and other stuff. Or listening to podcasts. That, uh, well, <laughs> you know true. what, though? This is not a waste. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of things not in your schedule. So, yeah, look at the calendar, but then process through – Am I wasting my day a lot by just doing other stuff too? Yeah. Like if I if I didn't do all these wasteful things, could I get a whole bunch of other stuff done and then actually have more free time later? I don't know. There's a lot of ways we could analyze and evaluate our schedules and lives, and we could probably all be more efficient. Yeah. I think no matter what, we're going to be busy, uh, but we need to make sure that our lives are being guided by the Word of God. You want to pray it up? I'll pray, uh, Lord Jesus. Uh, you are the God of the universe. And as such, it is right that you are the center of our lives, the center, Lord, of our solar system. Uh, may we, as your people, find ways to be involved with your church, your body, your community, because we have been united with you and united to others who are also united to you. And so, Lord, would you press it upon our hearts to love, to serve, to engage with the church. To be known, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Satisfied in Christ. You can uh, check out our website at www.satisfiedinchrist.life. That's dot L-I-F-E. Hey, please uh, please check it out. Uh, check out the resources on there. Also, we'd love to hear your feedback if there's something you'd like us to talk about. Um, also... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. See you later. Till next time.